0: Of passages with me tonight. I say a lot, I mean a good number of them anyway, and as many of them as you can turn to with me. I would appreciate it if you did. We, uh, we are planning to continue on with the standards and convictions, and um, I'm going to show you my page full of notes that I had on that. This is it. So um, I was working on it. I, I had probably three or four hours into it last, uh, this week working on that lesson. And I, sat, I worked on everything else that I had to get done, and uh, worked on the Sunday morning message and everything else. And I sat down last night, well I was already sitting down, but I opened my, my Word document at probably around 11.15ish to, to finish up just a little bit that I had left on it, and it was all gone. I have no idea. I, I called Josh at 11.15 last night, and he was in places in my computer that I didn't even know existed. And I saw all kinds of code and everything else and, and words, but none of what I had typed out or anything that I had done was there. So I, had, I have no idea what happened to it or how it disappeared or where it went, but uh, the blank document was still there, uh, but that was it. So I, I uh, shifted course a little bit, and I want to give you a little bit of a challenge tonight. We'll move that to, uh, well, next week uh, we have our dinner on the grounds, and Aiden's going to preach for us in the evening, so we'll move it to the week after that. I don't know why God allowed that to happen, but I trust that he did, and so um, he knows what's best, and he knows when is best, and so uh, we'll, we'll pick that up again in a couple weeks. But I think this will be helpful for us tonight. Uh, Romans chapter 8, really, uh, in the book of Romans, and, and really all the way throughout the, the New Testament, Paul uh, really put an emphasis on our lives being pleasing to God. And, and honestly, that's, that's a very, very broad statement. It's a very vague statement, really. And uh, it's, if we don't know exactly what we're aiming at, then it can just be anything. Let your life please God. Well, and, and that's a great, you know, obviously, if, uh, if somebody wrote that on my tombstone, that'd be a great thing. His life pleased God. I mean, that'd be a great thing to have on your tombstone. But as far as making that a goal of our lives, what does that look like? What are we aiming at? What's, what's, the, what's the goal here? In Romans chapter 8, and I'm going to look at a few other verses in Romans chapter 8 when we get uh, a little bit further into it, but verse number 8, I think, sums all of that stuff, all of that up, and the Bible says this, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Well, there's, there's a lot of things in the Bible that says this pleases God, and there's a lot of things in the Bible that says this does not please God, and that's one of them. So tonight, I want to give you some specific things that we can do in our lives to make sure that we are pleasing God. Let's pray, and then we'll look at a few of these things tonight. Father, we love you. Give me thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the opportunity you've given us to be here tonight. I pray that you would help it, help this to be a, a challenge to us, and I uh, pray that, that every single one of us in our lives would have that goal that we just want to please you with our lives. And I pray that you would just uh, work in our hearts this evening through the message in Jesus' name. Amen. The very first point goes right along with what we find there in Romans chapter 8, and that is this. If we want to please God, we must fight the flesh. We must fight the flesh. Those that live in the flesh, the Bible says there in verse 8, cannot please God. Let's back it up to verse number 5 there in Romans chapter 8. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, capital S, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. And I think that's what happens. When we get saved, if we truly truly are saved, then it's going to change our life. It's going to produce fruit. We're going to be different than we were before we accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior. And that's what the Bible says. They that are after the flesh, mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, mind the things of the Spirit." Because if we are living in the flesh, if if that's all we're focusing on and that's all we care about, that's death. We'll die in the flesh, right? But they that, the Bible says there, to be spiritually minded is life and peace. There are a lot of things that we have to fight the flesh over, right? We talk about this with the young young kids especially. There's things that they fight against the flesh in. For them, maybe it's to tell a lie or to steal or to cheat or to disobey or... Uh, you know, to anything. I mean, there's so many things that, that uh, are, are temptations for younger kids, and honestly, those, those are still the temptations for the older people as well. I suppose by that point, you should be past the point of telling lies and, and stealing and cheating and things like that, and, and I know it happens all the time, and so those are things that we have to fight as well, but for the for the older ones, in addition to those things, it moves into things that are a whole lot more complicated than that as well, right? Maybe it's the temptation to listen to the wrong kind of music or to watch the wrong things on TV or you know, uh, to watch the wrong things on, on the computer and, or, or even to be impure with, with another person, right? Those, those are all temptations, and, and the way that that happens is because we're living in the flesh. If your desire and your goal was nothing other than to please God, then you wouldn't be tempted by those things. Now, this, it's not the temptation that's wrong. The Bible says there, there is not, there's no temptation that's not common to man. We're all tempted, Right? But God, who is faithful, will, will, not su- will not suffer us to be tempted above that we are able, but he'll give us a way of escape that we can bear that temptation. So the temptation's not wrong. Jesus was tempted. right? He went out into the wilderness, and for 40 days he fasted and prayed, and as soon as he was done, and, and, and mind you, he was at the weakest point physically, the devil came and tempted him. Did Jesus sin because he was tempted? Of course not. So it's not a sin to be tempted, it's a sin to give into that temptation. But the reason we give into that temptation is because we're not living in the spirit, we're living in the flesh. And if we want to please God, we must fight that flesh. Those who cave into the flesh and allow the flesh to rule them cannot please God. Turn over to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. We're going to, like I said, we're going to be jumping around a little bit, so keep your fingers loose if you can. But the Bible says in Galatians chapter 5... Actually, we'll get to that in a second, But I want to ask you about this first. Have you ever thought about ways that you definitely don't want to die? Now, Nobody wants to die, but we, we know it's inevitable, we know it's coming, right? But there are ways that, that I certainly don't want to die. Now, suicide, I mean, that's, out. I could never pull the trigger or do, you know, what people do to commit suicide, and uh, my father-in-law used to say all the time, if you find a suicide note next to my body, it was forged, and I think that I can say the same thing. I, I'm not going to write a suicide note and take my own life, but... I just thought about some, you know, some of the ways that would be very difficult. Drowning, I, I think, would be, uh, would be very scary, right? You just can't take another breath. Or, or, or burning in a building. Could you imagine just watching the flames all around you and, and burning in the, you know, in the flames? Um, it's just a lot of different ways that would be painful. But, I mean, for me, and, and probably for most people, the easiest way to do it is just go to sleep and never wake up again, right? Uh, that would be the best way to go. Uh, but uh, I saw this. I read this one time, and I, I've never forgotten. it. And mean, I saw this when I was a little kid, but it said, when I die, I, go, I want to go peacefully and in my sleep like my grandfather did, not screaming like the passengers in his car. I, just, I, I, I saw that years and years ago, and it stuck with me. I just thought it was pretty f- but I think the absolute worst possible way that you could die would be by crucifixion. Could you imagine? And I've, you know, I've seen some of the, the torture techniques, especially in the medieval times and things, and, and honestly, many of them were uh, were inflicted on Christians who ended up becoming martyrs for the cause of Jesus Christ. And you read through like Fox's Book of Martyrs and some of these other uh, books that detail and chronicle those who gave their lives for the cause of Jesus Christ and see what they endured, the torture that they went through. But even even broader than Christians, there's a lot of you know political enemies that have been tortured in, in, in horrific ways. But the reason why crucifixion was invented was to come up with a, uh, a, a, about a torturous way as you could possibly come up with for somebody to die. You know, I think about being burned at the stake. Most of the time when you're burned at the stake, you're not dying from being burnt. You're dying from the smoke inhalation before your body is burned up. And so there's a lot of other ways that are difficult, but, but crucifixion is a tough, tough way to die. And so when Jesus Christ did that for us, I mean, obviously that, that means he was, he was suffering uh, about as much as he could possibly suffer as a human being when he died on the cross the way that he did. But the flesh also hates crucifixion. As much as I would hate to be crucified, as much as I would hate to be whipped and beaten and hung up on the cross, and if you stayed there long enough, you finally get your, you get your legs broken and all of those other things that go along with that. But what look, we see in, in Galatians chapter 5, in verse number 24, it says this, And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. See, the, the, the flesh hates that crucifixion, and it's going to fight against it. It's going to do everything it can to live, to stay alive, to keep fighting another day, and it just keeps coming back and coming back and coming back. And that's why Paul said, I die daily, because the flesh is going to keep coming back. It's not going to be dead until you are, right? That flesh is going to constantly fight against us, and if we want to please God, then we have to fight against the flesh. Turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 2, and I'll give you the second way that we can please God, not only when we fight the flesh, but also when we stay away from the world. Stay away from the world. Now, obviously, we can't help but live in the world, right? You can't go live on Mars because you're trying to separate and be be different from the world. Uh, Of course, maybe that's not too far off, but I'm not going to be one of the ones that goes on that journey and lives on Mars, I can tell you that much. But we should be in the world, but not of it. And that's exactly what Paul is talking about there in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 3. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Talking about pleasing God, you want to please him that's called you to be a soldier? Then don't entangle yourself with the affairs of this life. That's what a a true soldier that's out there fighting in a battle is not worried about anything else except fighting that battle and winning that battle. They're not, not texting on their phone. They're not watching videos on YouTube. They're not, you know, finding out what the latest trends are in fashion and all those other things. They're dressed in their army gear. They are out there doing what they've been called to do, and that's to fight against the enemy. And that's exactly what God's called us to do. Those that please God do that by separating from the world. There ought to be something different about you if you're a Christian. You ought to look different. You ought to act different. You ought to talk different. There ought to be that people say, what is it about you that's different? I want what you have. Many, many people have been won to Jesus Christ, have been led to Jesus Christ by a, a Christian who, who worked in, a, in, in the workplace and looked and act and talked like a Christian. That changes things. And we ought to be different from the world. It's not going to be an easy thing. If it was easy, every single Christian would be sold out to God. Every single Christian would be different. Every single Christian would keep themselves away from the things that are worldly. But we see this in James chapter 1, and you can turn over there. James chapter 1 and verse number 27. See, the world is an enemy of God. The world hates God. And the more we try to be like the world, the more we are trying to be like the one that, has, that, that hates God and wants to do everything they can to keep him from being promoted in this world, right how many how often do you see these these uh, laws that are being put in place that are that are banning things that are anything to do with Christianity right how often they they try to keep the Ten Commandments out of the courthouse and try to keep the, the manger scene out of the town square and just everything they can do to erase Christianity and the more we try to be the friend to the world, the more we are uh, shaking hands with and 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 going right alongside those who are trying to destroy the very thing that we claim to be, the very thing that we claim is our life, and that's Christianity. James chapter one and verse twenty-seven says this: "Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this: to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction, and to keep himself unspotted from the world." What a goal! Keep yourself unspotted from the world, right? The world is a muddy, nasty, dirty place, and you walk through a dirty street, you're going to get a little bit of mud on your clothes, but our responsibility then is to get that mud off as soon as we can. Clean it up before it keeps compounding and compounding and compounding, right? That's what we as Christians, that's what pure religion is. Keep yourself unspotted from the world. Look over at James chapter 4, just a couple pages later. Anyone who's in love with the world and follows after it is is an enemy of God and cannot please him. We see that very plainly there in James chapter 4 and verse number 4. And boy, what strong language God uses here. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't have friends in the world, but you, you shouldn't be friendly with the world, and when the Bible talks about the world, it's, it's talking about the, the, you know, the, the glitz and the glamour and all of that, you know, everything that the world is and everything that the world stands for, and that's the, the fashion industry, and that's just so many things that the world presents itself to be, the things that are, that are doing everything they can to go against God. That's the world. And, the, and James here says, you adulterers and adulteresses. In other words, if you're a friend of the world, you're an enemy of God, and you are essentially you are cheating God. right? You, you, are, you are basically throwing that back in God's face. Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. It's not just, well, God's not pleased with him. God doesn't like that. It says you are the enemy of God when you're a friend of the world. That's very, very strong language, but that ought to wake us up. That ought to make us say, well, I don't want anything to do with something that's going to align me as being an enemy of God. I want to be a friend of God, right? Know you not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Turn over to Galatians chapter 1. How do we please God? Well, we please God when we fight the flesh. We please God when we stay away from the world. Number three, we seek we please God when we seek to please God over men. Galatians chapter 1, verse number 10. Paul is asking kind of a, um, an ironic question, I guess. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Seek to please God over men. That's how we're going to please God. So many people are concerned with pleasing those around them that they often ignore the fact that they're not pleasing God, right? We, we want to be liked. We want people to, uh, to love us, right? And, and there's, I mean, th- those who are seeking to please men are not pleasing God. It's, it's easy to want to be liked. In fact, if you want to be hated, I think there's something wrong with you, right? Now, we know that when we take a stand for the things of Christ, when we take a stand for the things of God... We are going to be hated, and I ought to, to love the things of God more than I love being liked, more than I love being appreciated, more than I love being loved, right? But not at the, not at the expense of having God not pleased with me. We should be seeking popularity over, uh, sh- shouldn't be seeking popularity over principle, and we see that happening so often with a lot of our politicians now, right? What, what, which way are the winds blowing? Okay, that's what I'm going to be. And, you know, a lot of times you see that, that 5 or 10 or 15 years ago, they were staunchly against whatever it is. And, and, and actually now there's these so, so, quote-unquote hot-button topics, you know. It used to be that 15 years ago, even all these people were against abortion and they were against homosexuality and they were against all these things. But the political winds have changed and now the wind's blowing a different direction. And now just as staunchly as they were against those things, now they're for them. That, that's not standing on principle, that's standing on popularity. If it's going to give me a little bit of popularity, if it's going to give me a little bit of media time, then I'll do it. That's not pleasing to God, right? We should not seek the praise of men over the praise of God. You have to remember that man only sees the outward appearance, God sees the heart. It doesn't matter as much what you look like on the outside as it does what you actually are on the inside. And so many Christians, especially, have gotten used to this idea of looking good on the outside and, and, and to their Christian friends and to the world around them even. Maybe they look good, but inside they're just they're empty, they're full of dead men's bones like we talked about this morning. But we ought to be seeking to please God over men. Turn to Isaiah 56. We please God when we fight the flesh. We please God when we stay away from the world. We please God when we seek to please Him over men. And number four, we please God when we choose things that please Him. Well, isn't that uh, a profound statement? But it's true. We please God when we choose things that are pleasing to Him. Right? Isaiah chapter 56 and verse number one. Thus saith the Lord, keep ye judgment and do justice, for my salvation is near to come and my righteousness to be revealed. Blessed is the man that doeth this and the son of man that layeth hold on it, that keepeth the Sabbath from polluting it, keepeth his hand from doing any evil. Neither let the son of the stranger that hath joined himself to the Lord speak, saying, The Lord hath utterly separated me from his people. Neither let the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. For thus saith the Lord unto the eunuchs that keep my Sabbaths, and choose the things that please me, and take hold of my covenant. Even unto them will I give mine house, and within my walls a place, and a name better than sons and of daughters, I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Also, the sons of strangers that join themselves to the Lord to serve him and to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants, everyone that keepeth the Sabbath from polluting it and taketh hold of my covenant, even them will I bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices shall be accepted upon mine altar, for mine house shall be called a house of prayer for all people." The Lord God which gathereth the outcasts of Israel saith, Yet will I gather others to him beside those that are gathered unto him. And I think that's kind of a prophetic passage about the fact that the Gentiles were going to accept Jesus Christ even, even uh, before the Jews did, right? And, he, and, and, and so he was expanding that out, saying, It doesn't matter who it is that accepts what I'm preaching, accepts what I'm teaching. You can please God. It doesn't matter who you are. If you're a eunuch, if you're a stranger, it doesn't matter. You do what God says you're supposed to do in his word. And he'll look at that the same way. He'll, you'll be pleasing to him. But every single day, you're faced with a whole lot of decisions about whether you're going to do right or wrong. And I don't, I don't, I've never done any, looked up any research on it, and I don't even know if there's any way that you could really do research on that. But can you imagine how many choices you make every single day? I, I know I've, in the past I've heard... Uh, that, they're, that they're, you know, what the number was, and I haven't seen it in a long time, so I don't even want to throw a number out there, but it's a lot. They, they, they have also been able to calculate the number of thoughts that you have in a day or the thoughts that, that an average person has in a day, and it's an astronomical number. We are making, even if they're on the smallest scale, we are making decisions, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of decisions every day on whether we're going to do right or whether we're going to do wrong. The devil is constantly there trying to tempt us to do those things, but every day the flesh is going to try to turn us away from God. Every day the flesh is going to fight against you reading your Bible and having your prayer time. The flesh is going to fight against you giving out the message of the gospel, and it's not even that that in, in your mind you say, you know what, I'm not giving out the gospel today. It's just that you get busy, and we allow that busyness to take over the things that are more important, that are most important, that is the things of God. Every person has to make a deliberate choice to do things that please God. And when I say choose things that please him, of course that's pleasing to him. But it's, it, you know in your own life that sometimes it's harder to do that than it sounds. Oh, just choose things that please God. That'll be pleasing to him. It will be. But often we don't choose those things. We choose the opposite. If we would just take every individual decision on an individual basis and say, nope, I'm using this decision to choose to please God. I know that there's a lot of things that are pulling me away. I know that there's a lot of things that are trying to eat at my time. But this is what's right. This is what's pleasing to God. And I'm going to choose the things that are pleasing to him. I want to look at one more in Hebrews chapter 11. How do we please God? There's, there's, there's other verses in the Bible that talk about pleasing him. But there are, there are, we're just going to look at five of them tonight. And this is the fifth please him when we fight the flesh. We please him when we stay away from the world. We please him when we seek to please God over men. We please him when we simply choose the things that please him. But then lastly, we find here in Hebrews chapter 11, and verse number six, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So how do you please God? You have faith. You have faith. All of these things that go into pleasing God require faith, right? So you can can choose things that please God. You can uh, fight the flesh. You can stay away from the world. You can do all of these other things, but the Bible very plainly says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. So if you're doing these things without faith, then there's no possible way that you can please God. Faith to believe that he's gonna reward those that please him, right? Isn't that what he talks about there in that verse? He that cometh to God must believe, number one, that he is that he is God, that he is in that position, that he does exist, right? But that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We have to have faith to believe that he's going to help those who are seeking to please him. We have to have faith to believe that he can give us the victory over the flesh. So many people fail to please God because they don't have the faith to believe that God can give them the victory. I think what happens in our lives so many times is we fail and we fail and we fail and we fail and finally we give up and we say God's not helping me. God's not giving me the victory. I'm I'm just going to, I guess I'm just going to be a failure the rest of my life. No, it takes faith to believe that God will help you. Now, you have to work, you have to make an effort at it, but you make an effort, God will help you. Same way that we just mentioned the verse a little bit ago when it comes to temptation. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but also will with the temptation make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Right? There is a way out. No, it is not. The temptation is so strong. I just can't help it. No, there, there's a way out. There's a way out. You just have to have faith to believe that God can do it. Right? There's a lot of other things that go along with that. But God, God wants to give us victory in this life. 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 4 says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. The songwriter said, Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. God wants to give us victory in this life, and he wants uh, to help us to please him. But we have to have faith to believe that he'll do it. I want you to look at one last passage with me, and we're done. Proverbs chapter 16. Proverbs chapter 16, and boy, the Proverbs are just filled with so many verses that, that give us great wisdom in how to please God. But Proverbs chapter 16 And verse number seven, it says this, when a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. Boy, you talk about a good life. Talk about having a life that, that is, it is peaceful. Talk about having a life that's wonderful. When a man's ways please the Lord, and we've talked about all these different ways that we please the Lord, but when a man's ways please the Lord, even his enemies, even the ones who hate him, even the ones who are against him, are going to be at peace with him, right? Everything is right when we're seeking to please God. If everything we did with the mindset above all is I just want to please God, we would never have to worry about falling into temptation or falling into sin because we're tempted. We'd never have to worry about a lot of these things that so often, like the Bible says, easily beset us. If every single day my mindset is I just want to please God, Boy, what a, what a thing that you could put on your, on your mirror or put it on your dash in your car or something like that. I just want to please God. And if you have that as your mindset, then, I know th- then, then you will please God. You will please God because everything else pales in comparison to that. If we fight the flesh, if we stay away from the world, if we seek to please God over men, if we choose things that please him, and if we have faith, and our lives will be in complete fulfillment of what it is that he wants us to accomplish, right? And above all, our overarching theme of our entire life should just be, I just want to please God. I just want to please God. If that would become our mantra, if that would become our life, if that would become the model that we, that we live our lives after, then we would please God. And the Bible says even our enemies, If even our enemies will be at peace with us, imagine the blessings that would come from living for, uh, the the blessings that would come from God. Imagine the blessings that would come from other Christians. Imagine the way that God would use us if we just had that mindset. I don't want anything else. I just want to please God. Hopefully that's a reminder to you tonight. But let's pray. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you so much for how good you are to us. And God, I'll pray that, that you would, Use the message in our hearts, convict us, convict us of the, uh, in these areas where we, where we choose the world over you, where we choose the flesh over you, where we don't fight as hard as we could, where we don't please you in everything that we do. And so God, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts, I pray that you would just allow the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts and where decisions need to be made tonight, God, I pray that, that they would be. And that everything in our lives would focus around that thought of, I just want to please God. And God, I pray that you'd help us. Help us to be used by you because we want to be used by you and because we want to please you. We thank you for all that you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen.